This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 129. The Impossible Death of Peter Gibbs. In December of 1975, a light aircraft took off from a hotel in the west of Scotland on a recreational flight. It did not return. When evidence was eventually uncovered about the loss of both plane and pilot, there were more questions than answers. So settle down by the fire as we attempt to unravel the complexities surrounding the impossible death of Peter Gibbs. Between 1944 and 1945, Pilots of the Royal Air Force's 41 Squadron participated in some of the most dangerous aerial engagements of World War II. Equipped with the most recently upgraded model of the Supermarine Spitfire, the British aviators were involved in a series of high-profile missions against German targets, repeatedly putting their lives on the line in hopes of bringing an end to the conflict. Having spent a lengthy period of time acting as escort fighters for the waves of American bombers, which were laying waste to the urban and industrial targets in the heart of the German military, 41 Squadron was temporarily transferred to cover the Allied landings on D-Day, before being urgently tasked with defending London from Hitler's new V-1 flying bombs. They would see out the war having participated in the ill-fated Operation Market Garden in the Netherlands before conducting ground attacks in support of the invasion of Germany. Among their numbers throughout this tempestuous period was a 24-year-old pilot named Peter Gibbs. Like many of his comrades, he was released from service with the RAF at the end of hostilities, but this did not prevent him from pursuing his dreams. In due course, he went on to obtain his private pilot's license, and would spend the next 20 years taking to the skies as a member of the Surrey Flying Club. As well as his passion for aviation, Gibbs was also a brilliant musician, and was sufficiently skilled to earn membership at the London Symphony Orchestra. But alongside his musical talents, it became clear that the former airman's wartime exploits had left him with what many would characterize as a reckless and confrontational streak. During the orchestra's tour of the United States in 1956, he was involved in a very public altercation with its conductor. Following a performance in Boston, Herbert von Karajan had chosen to depart from the stage without waiting for applause or performing an encore. His actions were perceived as both rude and insulting to the performers, and when he arrived for rehearsal the next day, Gibbs immediately drew a halt to proceedings. 
He demanded an apology from Von Carrion. He was quoted as saying, I did not spend four years of my life fighting bastards like you to be insulted before our own allies as you did last evening. While the conductor refused to be drawn into the confrontation, he immediately made it clear to the orchestra's managers that he would no longer perform as long as the former RAF pilot was a member. The result was inevitable. Gibbs was asked to leave, and the tour continued without him. In the aftermath of the incident, he would become the managing director of his own property company, but his stubborn side and his personality would eventually resurface, leading to the most tragic of outcomes. In December 1975, Gibbs began a relationship with a 32-year-old university lecturer by the name of Felicity Granger. He had been looking to purchase properties in Scotland to add to his growing business portfolio, and, deciding to mix business with pleasure, asked her to join him on a scouting trip to the region. Granger had readily agreed, and on September the 20th, the two arrived at the Glen Forza Hotel on the Isle of Mull. The presence of a private airstrip on the grounds of the resort was surely no small factor in Gibbs's selection of the hotel as his base of operations. The 780-meter runway, which had been constructed there by the Royal Engine in 1965, served a dual purpose. As well as being the only fixed-wing evacuation facility serving the island, it doubled as a takeoff and landing site for a Cessna F-150H, which belonged to the Glen Forza owner, David Howitt. Within hours of his arrival, the charismatic Gibbs charmed Howitt with stories of his wartime career, persuading the hotel owner to permit him use of the aircraft over the weekend. When Howitt asked Gibbs if he had brought his pilot's license along with him on the trip, Gibbs made the excuse that he had left it behind in London. In fact, it had expired quite some time before their encounter. Gibbs spent the following week using the aircraft to visit properties on the various islands located in the region. On the evening of Wednesday, the 24th of December, he and Granger landed back at the Glen Forza after viewing a property on the Isle of Skye. During the course of their evening meal, other guests at the hotel recalled seeing the couple drinking red wine, with Gibbs ordering several additional glasses of whiskey. A short time later, Gibbs went across to the reception desk and asked to borrow a pair of high-powered flashlights. When asked what they were needed for, the charismatic pilot told the clerk that he intended to take the Cessna up for a night flight. When the staff member protested, Gibbs replied, quote, I am not asking permission. I just thought it was courtesy to let you know. I don't want to fuss. Through a combination of charm and bullying, Gibbs persuaded the man to hand over the flashlights and made his way outside as other guests began to congregate outside to see what was happening. He handed the flashlights to Granger and asked her to use them to guide him down when he returned. He kissed her goodbye before heading off down the runway toward the waiting aircraft. Minutes later, the onlookers heard the airplane's engine roar into life before it took off disappearing over the tree line that marked the end of the unlit airstrip. As the sounds of the aircraft's engine faded away, Granger activated the two flashlights, shining the powerful beams up into the sky. 
The staff on duty inside the hotel also took the liberty of turning off the lights in the bar to help the guests get a better view of the Cessna as it came back into land. Two minutes gradually turned into ten, and then into twenty, before Granger returned to the onlookers in a state of confusion. As fears grew that Gibbs may have become lost and bailed into the sea, all the hotel's lights were turned back on, and a number of the guests set off in their cars to check the nearby coves and beaches. After it became clear that there was no trace of Gibbs or the Cessna, the authorities were called. Christmas Day dawned on the Isle of Mull with helicopters from both the Royal Navy and Royal Air Force combing the waters around the island in search of the missing aircraft. As the day wore on, the weather conditions gradually deteriorated, with a heavy storm blanketing the region. Eventually, having found no trace of any wreckage, the search was called off. It would be another four long months before Gibbs was seen again. In April of 1976, a local shepherd named Donald McKinnon was moving his herd through the hills approximately a mile north of the Glen Forza Hotel. Just up ahead, he could see a large larch tree which had apparently been toppled. As he came closer, he realized that there was something protruding from between the broken branches. It was the lifeless body of Peter Gibbs. The pilot's remains were wedged so firmly into the fallen tree that the attending police officers were forced to cut away several branches before they could release it. They were perplexed to find that it was in remarkably good condition, with few signs of decay and no obvious marks or injuries. Even more confusing, the larch tree was within an area that had been searched repeatedly during the last few months. There was no sign of the Cessna itself, and another decade would pass before it too was finally located. In September 1986, a pair of divers found the aircraft sitting on the seabed approximately half a mile off the coast of Oban. It was badly damaged, having lost a wing and most of its landing gear, with a large hole smashed in the windshield. Images of the wreckage taken by the Royal Navy in 2013 revealed that both cockpit doors were still locked and secured only adding to the mystery of how Gibbs had come to be found outside the aircraft. Analysis of the remains of Peter Gibbs did little to assist the official investigation. His body was found facing in the direction of the Glen Forza, indicating he had perhaps been traveling downhill at the time he had passed away. Other than a small cut on his leg, there was no significant injury, and there was an inexplicable lack of animal predation. Forensic tests showed no sign of the salt and marine organisms that would be expected from a cadaver that had been submerged in seawater, with the pathologist deciding to cite exposure as the most likely cause of death. With the evidence indicating that he had not bailed over the water before swimming back to shore, it was suggested that Gibbs may have bailed out over dry land and then passed away while attempting to make his way back to the hotel on foot. But the fact that the area had been thoroughly searched by the authorities and was situated on the daily routes of local farmers and shepherds raised the issue of why he had not been found during the four months that had elapsed since his disappearance. He was not wearing a parachute when he was found, and none have ever been located anywhere in the area in the years since the incident. 
The fact that the Cessna doors were subsequently found to be locked and secured also seems to detract from the idea that he had bailed out. Experts agree that the damage to the windshield was almost certainly caused when the plane had impacted the water. So just how did he manage to exit the aircraft? The Cessna's final resting place only adds more confusion to the mystery. Oban lies roughly 21 miles to the east of the Glen Forza Hotel. How had the doomed aircraft continued to fly for such a distance if Gibbs had been absent from the controls? And if he had been inside at the point of impact, why would he swim all the way back to the Isle of Mull, instead of to the mainland which was much closer? And if that was the case, why was there no trace of marine biology on his body or clothing? Some commentators believe that the case is remarkably similar to the disappearance of Frederick Valentich off the coast of Melbourne in October 1978. The Australian pilot was also flying a Cessna aircraft during a nighttime training flight and reported being pursued by an unidentified flying object. Radio operators then heard a mysterious metallic scraping sound before his transmission went dead. Neither he nor his aircraft were ever seen again. Some believe that Gibbs was targeted by extraterrestrial visitors who encountered him flying in the skies above western Scotland, somehow removing him from the aircraft. It's assumed that they then unceremoniously deposited his body back on the ground four months later. In reality, however, there are probably far more rational explanations. Fred Valentich, for instance, was inexperienced and unqualified to be flying at the time of his disappearance. And despite his reports of a UFO in the vicinity, it's always been suggested that he actually became disoriented and crashed. Similarly, Gibbs had lied about his qualifications and was intoxicated at the time of his disappearance, increasing the likelihood that it was his own actions that caused his death. Another proposal that has been suggested is that he was the victim of foul play. Some witnesses on the evening reported having seen two sets of flashlights being used on the runway, rather than just the pair held by Granger. It is possible that Gibbs was murdered on the ground before he even managed to get into the Cessna. While not impossible, this explanation would require multiple offenders, someone to remove and deposit the body, and another to then fly the aircraft in place of Gibbs and ditch it. Some believe that his killer, or killers, may have already been concealed inside the Cessna itself. At some point during the flight, his assailant either murdered him or forced him out of the plane before ditching the Cessna and swimming to the coast to escape. Again, these arguments are possible, but hinge on the murderer surviving the crash and then smashing his way through the sinking aircraft rather than via the cockpit doors. And it doesn't take into account the freezing cold waters. Truthfully, there is no comfortable or fully convincing explanation for how Peter Gibbs came to die. But the reality is that no other party was considered during the investigation, terrestrial or otherwise. So was this simply an accident laden with highly unlikely and unlucky coincidences? Was Gibbs the victim of an intricate murder plot? Did he come in contact with some otherworldly force? The reality is that without further analysis of the plane that sits on the seabed off the coast of Scotland 
or a closer inspection of the post-mortem report, the answer to the impossible death of Peter Gibbs will continue to elude us. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. So this is clearly aliens. <sighs> I've made up my mind. <laughs> you think so? And I say we stop here. Well, that's the end of the episode. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. No, got it. Uh, stop by <laughs> next week. I just... Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked... I'm I'm stoked for this one because this is we're starting off the year with a fucking classic campfire mystery. I mean, like, yeah, this reminds me so sense. much of yeah, none. It makes no sense at all. Which I suppose makes it better. So you know, there's yeah, that too for sure. I like that. You know, in the in the style of, I think we started with Die Out Love Pass was our first like real mystery, but we had like the. Um, Yuba County Five. Yep. Right. We had uh, several mysterious deaths along the way, but the one unifying factor for all of them is no one theory completely fits. No. There's yeah. always. I mean, there's always one little thing that you're like, yeah, but what about that? Right. You know. Yeah. And I I love stories like that. But this one, like all the possibles and like the you know the random theories and stuff, to me just don't make. I, they they just don't add up. Yeah. And so, yeah, which I think is is a little bit yeah you know, a little bit different than a lot of those types of cases where yeah it could be that you know like there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of loose ends in this that it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint you know like specifically with like the cockpit doors being locked still uh-huh. you couldn't have locked them and gotten out unless yeah breaking you know breaking the like the wind or the windshield. Um, yeah, but if it was in the water, yeah, I mean that's going to be a lot harder than, of course, opening the door. Like yeah, just for little, sure. little I, things like that. Yeah, that to me, I feel, I find just a lot harder to buy. Now, I think also in the classic campfire tradition, some things have been tweaked and added to the story along over the years, right? Okay, um, all right, that's fair. For instance, I was digging through a Reddit post about this and. I was reading someone who claimed to be a pilot himself, right? Right. He was commenting about it. And he said that doors on a Cessna don't actually lock like that. Oh, really? So, yeah. So they they have, like, a mechanism to keep them closed in case, like, they're in turbulence and things like that. Right. But they can still be opened from the inside or the outside. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Even at this time? So, Yeah. So the Cessna is like one of those planes that hasn't really been redesigned since its inception. Like I mean, there's it's a just lot considered of, a right, perfect a small aircraft versions of it, but yeah. 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 But he um but even that if say he opens the door, he opens the flight door, it's not like a helicopter where there's a place to stand outside the plane right. before you jump. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like does he just like jump and grab the door and swing it shut on his way out the plane? Like, I, or I guess the doors could have the door could have closed shut. on its own when the plane yeah. crashed. I don't know. It's it's weird, but there are little details like that that don't quite make sense to people who know who know you know about flying. Right. Yeah. Um, it is weird. There are also you hear some versions. You hear some versions of this story that say there's like a crazy winter storm happening while this went on 
but that's not true either. Like, okay. the weather was, it was just a little cloudy. It wasn't so there wasn't some crazy, like winter some storm. crazy storm coming in or anything like that? No. There right, was well, okay. there was a storm that happened in, like a winter storm hit the island between when it happened and when he was found. Okay. That's true. But not the night he was flying. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know. But that's a weird thing about his body, right? Because if he bailed and ended up in this tree and he was out there, I mean, I don't put it past people to not notice him up in a tree. I mean. Right? Like, it could happen. It could definitely that long, happen. Though, where that was like just, four months, right? Yeah. Yep. Four months. I don't, I don't buy after four months, nobody noticed he was there. And people use that, like, route for grazing their right. livestock every day. I mean, day, I'm sure it's right? heavily it's heavily at least enough traveled and, you know, walked or whatever that somebody would have had to have seen something. Yeah. I will say it's, it's improbable for sure, but I don't think it's impossible that no one noticed him. Right. It's very there's a very small chance, I think, that so even if you buy that and say that he was there the whole time, his body showed no signs of having been out in the elements for four months. Like, okay. none. Also, he didn't have the injuries that you would expect from someone falling out of a plane without a parachute. Right, yeah. I mean, they said, what, he had basically a scratch, but no real, like, yeah. no he real injuries. Yeah, cut on his leg, and that's and it. Of course, I mean, yep. you know, he hadn't been you know pecked to death by animals or anything like that like which for four months that seems a little little hard to believe as well yeah absolutely it was also like the only big like this tree if you look at pictures from the from the area where he was found yeah it's like the tree is sort of like two-thirds of the way up a hill off the roadway and it's pretty much the only sizable tree in the area which makes it to me even less likely that no one would notice no one would have seen it right and and this is like this has to be a spot that draws birds at the very least right if it's the only tree big tree in the area that tree's going to be full of birds yeah that's that's completely fair yeah so i mean he would definitely if he if his body was up there for four months you would see signs of predation and there was no real decay or anything like that either Yep. So like, which it was winter, so it would slow down. But there was literally the way they talked about right. it was, he he looked fresh, unless which is weird. Someone had captured him, and you know they got rid of the plane somewhere else, and you know and uh, captured him, kept him, you know, kept him okay for a while, and decided to dump him in a tree. Yeah, the I mean, and the only <laughs> problem with that is. I don't it know why he dumped somebody only, in a tree, but still. <laughs> right. But it is. it was clear to the people who found him that he had landed on the tree with some force because yeah. he was, like, sort of embedded in the tree branches. Like, they had to cut away tree branches to pull his body out of the tree. Like, he wasn't just kind of, like, laid there on top of some branches. Right. Like, he fell into that tree. Yeah. I mean, which you could manipulate, like, the branches and stuff like that to, like, really push somebody in there. Sure. You know, get them jammed yeah. in there, rather. And then maybe... Imagine trying to, like, haul a corpse up a tree, like right? a jaguar. That's what I was thinking of. Like, like it's weird. Or did Especially they just, with like, the ocean right there. system or something? Just Why wouldn't you just chuck him in, in the ocean? Getting him. Right, yeah, that would make the most sense. 
See, that's another yeah. thing. Like, why would you? Why would you do that in the first place? Yeah, it's not a good dumping. So ground. right to me, like that. That just I don't. I don't think that's a possibility. Does Especially really in the island sense? chains, <laughs> it doesn't at all. In the island chains out there, the currents are so weird too. Yeah, that like if you toss something in the water, it you have no idea where it's going to end up. Like a lot of times, people won't killers won't dump bodies in like right on the coast well of course because they assume the tide will just like push them right back up on the beach right but that's not how the beaches work in this area like there's a sort of like a swirling jet stream that goes through all these islands we talked about it when we did the uh island more lighthouse lighthouse mystery Yeah. yeah but there's this weird jet stream that kind of swirls it does like loops around the island the yeah. islands in this island chain and like you so you could toss a body in the ocean here and it could end up like in 25 tree. islands south yeah or in a tree <laughs> <laughs> which i mean uh the fact the fact that this plane was found it was so it, it was washed up on on the shore right or it washed up like no yeah. no it was on the seabed right off the coast oh, okay all right and it was like yeah, it was like because divers found it. It right. was like twenty six miles away. Yeah, yeah. So, and this was on this this island, which is where the body was found as well, right on the same no, the it's same di- island. It, it's a different. Nope, it's twenty six miles east. Well, I know. Yeah. I know the the hotel was was you know back back in the twenty some miles east or whatever, but I thought he was on a tree in that same island. No, he was on. He was found only a mile from the hotel. Oh, only a mile. Okay. Well, then that was that yeah. was what I had misheard. Which makes that yeah. even more. And the weird. plane was. Yeah, it's super weird because the plane seems to have traveled twenty five miles, over twenty miles east without him. Right. Huh. So some people some people speculate that there's like he basically could have like set the controls, and bailed. And it, you know, it just flies without him right. for a while until it can't, and then it crashes. Yeah, I mean that's fair too. I'm not, I'm obviously not a pilot. If you are, for sure, contact at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. Let us know, like, give us some feedback. If you're a pilot, let us know if you if the, is that even a thing you can really do. With, I mean, from all with my this hours type of airplane? flying a Cessna on um, flight sim, I'd say it would fly at least for a few minutes. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think it that long though. Twenty six right. miles on its own. But I mean, also depending on how high you are at that point, twenty six miles really isn't that far. Right. See, that's another catch though, because if he was planning on, and that's another thing this pilot said is, for him to think that bailing out of a plane in any situation and surviving was the best way to go. Yeah, that he would even think that that would be a a plan that would lead to him living is bonkers. Right. Like, it's crazy. So if he would have had, he would have had to fly very low. And he's still, to not stall out, you have to go, I think it's like 65 miles an hour. They're going at like base speed to stay in the air. Imagine jumping out of your car at 65 miles an hour. Tuck and roll. But you're on a bridge. (laughs) But you're on a bridge. So you have to drop, like, you have to jump out of your car at 65 miles an hour and fall, like, 30, 40 feet. Right. That's essentially what it would be like. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's like somebody jumping off of, like, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge or something and living. Yeah. No. That's, yeah. 
it's crazy. It so what I was saying was if he set it on, you know, let's call it autopilot for shorthand yeah. and jumped out, he would have had to go as low as possible before he jumped out. Yeah. Right? If he had any plans on making it. And that plan's not gonna make it so, much further. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, no, not very far at all if you if you have to get that low first. Yeah. Let alone twenty six miles. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's like it's, it's just not possible. And because it's okay, so he was found a mile north of the hotel. So if you imagine like the coastline, mm-hmm. right? The the hotel, and then a mile up the map, right? That's where he was found. So and that's the direction he was flying was north away from the hotel, right? So he sets it on autopilot, jumps out. The plane would have had to then bank left and go east to get to where it was ultimately found. Yeah, I mean, cause there's no way that was a straight shot. And also, yeah, it's coming. Right. Yeah, that's, hmm. Unless he had done this, he had calculated this, like, route multiple times. Yeah. Maybe they had flown over it, you know, like, whatever else. And he's been calculating this whole thing precisely to reach a certain point at such a certain, you know... Yeah. Altitude or whatever else that, you know, with the speed they're going, blah, blah. Like, I mean, that would take a lot of planning that I'm sure he did not do. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, which, yeah, I don't think that's likely either. But, you know, just trying I to mean, let's say something there. Let's say he takes off and he does this all in the dark without right. lights. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, okay. So let's say here's the most... We've we've talked many times about the mental gymnastics that skeptics have to go through to you know to make sense of some of these. Well, of course. And this is this was one of my favorites to work out. So he takes off from the hotel north. He banks west, right, so that he can curve around and then go east. So the plane is headed east when he crosses where he's found. Right. Right. He jumps out with a parachute. Right? He survives mm-hmm. because of the parachute. As soon as he lands, he takes the parachute off. He starts a fire, burns the parachute, covers it up. <laughs> right? Or the, this, all these things would have to happen. He lands in the water, takes off his parachute, it washes away somewhere. He swims uh-huh. to shore, starts a fire, and heats up. But then he has to take a shower to get rid of all the salt water and microbes from the ocean that are later not found on his dead body. You know that? (laughs) It rained that day, and he got lucky. Must have. Yeah. It And then, like, whether it was your version or my version, right? Either way, he then encounters some wild animal, and he climbs up this tree to get away from it. Right, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. But then the animal stalks around the tree for so long that he starves to death in the tree. Yeah. That's what happens. Or he has a, a... stroke in the tree yeah i either and then no one notices him for four months somehow (laughs) yeah those onlurkers yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh it's it's so weird the the official story has so many problems it really does like there's there's no way i mean even if like somebody happens to like be walking through there and hears a sound they're like oh it's a bird oh it's a dead man Mm-hmm. They're like, well, that's going to add some time onto my day that I'm not prepared for. So nobody just nobody calls it in. <laughs> I don't want to do this paperwork. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's I mean, there's other weird stuff, too. Like 
So if he landed in the ocean, he would have he would have to have climbed up this cliff face yeah. to get to where cuz there's the hill with the tree and then there's a road and then the cliff face that goes down to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Right? So if he landed in the ocean, he would have had to climb up this cliff face to get to the road. He could have turned on the road and walked 1 mile and that road would have taken him right back to the hotel, right? Yeah. But instead, he goes 400 feet up this crazy steep hill. And goes in and gets in this tree. I mean, maybe he's like, you know, it's it's that trying to think and what all the shit's going on, right? Like, it's like in the moment he's trying to think of like, what's the easier option? I can walk a mile down there, 400 feet up here, and maybe get up there and find somebody nearby. And all of a sudden there's these yeah. Scottish cougars out there and, you know, <laughs> yeah. like just snarling, waiting for some food. And he's like, oh, better climb a tree too. You know, that's a <laughs> short. Uh, yeah. Short That's hike to go was. for survival versus this long mile walk that would have taken him 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Back to that. the comfort of the hotel and yep. his his lady. With a hell of a story to tell at that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or he was like, or if I go back there, then this owner is going to make me pay for this and I can't do this. So I need to like sure. need to get away. But he was a wealthy dude. So you'd think he would have just been I mean, like, yeah. eh, sure. Right, you know? or the guy would have taken pity on him and been like, well, let's work it out, you know? Let's go find it. Yeah. Maybe we can salvage something. You can work for me for a little while. Like, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I th- I'm excited to get to it. There's a theory that involves him, okay. the hotel owner and the airplane owner. I'm, I'm really excited to get to that. But, like, in the 90s, this guy, um, Alan Organ, he wrote a book about this. And he went to the, to the spot, right? Okay. And... This is how, like, rough the terrain is. Okay, of course, this is 20 years later, so it's not an exact... Right. But I mean, weathering the, the terrain... Yeah. Yeah. The terrain on this hill, he couldn't even make it to the tree. It took him 40 minutes to get halfway up to the tree, and he gave up because he was exhausted. Like, that's how intense this hill is. So, so maybe the farmer like came out and gave him a hand. Yeah, maybe. Walked him up and helped him climb the tree. Here, buddy. hey you know stranger things have happened that's why i believe aliens they pulled him out yeah (laughs) took him away let him lead a normal life on board this alien craft did all kinds of probing Mm -hmm. and stuff to him sure and then he's finally like i can't take it anymore drop me in a tree and they're like all right (laughs) and then he's done drop me in a tree (laughs) Yeah. Where they That's had their, sort of they like had the classic alien. And, right. Yeah. It's sort of the classic alien thing, like the extreme version of the classic alien thing to do also, where they can't just like put someone nicely back where they got them. Right. They just drop They're them. They're always like... <laughs> we talk yeah, about this a lot. Usually it's from like a couple <laughs> feet. Yeah. Because it comes up so often in these yeah. abduction stories where like, or if they don't, if they don't drop them, they'll... They'll put them like you know 180 miles away from where they yeah, that's fair abducted too. them yep. for no reason. I mean, they don't know the area it's, very. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they know it even better than we do. But still, this time maybe they dropped him from like 100 feet. <laughs> They're like, "You'll be fine. <laughs> don't, don't forget to tuck and roll." Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> there can't be a parachute. Sorry. <laughs> the trees will slow your fall. It's fine. It's fine. Yep. <laughs> or they like dared him. You know, they're like, I bet you won't. He's like, I bet I will. 
And they're like, right. boy, if you live, then we'll do some stuff for you or something. Get all the money and wealth and fame you could ever want from us aliens on planet Ziplar. So, exactly. Uh, anyhow, keep go it's ahead. I'm it. sorry. I'm just going <laughs> off on a tangent at this point. I want it to be aliens so, that bad. One of the one of the big theories is foul play. I mean, right? of course, I think that's is probably the most likely human foul scenarios. play. Yeah, there. I mean, a lot of people believe that an airplane had nothing to do with his death at all, right? Like maybe he was murdered or accidentally killed elsewhere, and the whole takeoff incident might not have even happened, right? Because the only the only person that actually saw him take off, supposedly saw him take off, was his girlfriend. Right, but she's also going to be from a distance too, like on the on the runway. Like she can't be near this plane, right? Sure. As it's taking off, yeah. So she's she not also could have been part of it, or she could have been a part of it. That's that's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a whole thing. Like so many things could have happened there. He could have been killed before, and then someone else goes up in place of him, right? Yeah, and someone gets rid of the body, ditches the plane, and uh, yep. Floats but back to like existence. I said in the story, there's some weirdness still, right? Like you would have to, you would have how how they got out of the plane would still be dicey, right? Because the plane ended up smashed up on the bottom of the ocean, yeah. so they would also have to find some way to survive this plane crash, hmm. which seems it seems weird. Yeah, it seems like an weird. odd choice to make as a killer to then go like. I'm gonna li- I'm gonna crash this airplane on purpose. I assume I'll live through it. Right. It's that's a weird a weird assumption to make. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of plane crashes that end in a happy story. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. It's there aren't too many too many survivors of plane crashes out there. Right. There's a handful for sure. Oh yeah, of course. It doesn't seem like a good plan to make for yourself. Not at all. So. The other option with foul play is that someone was waiting for him in the plane. That seems more likely to me. Yeah. But hmm. how would they have known that he was going to like do this night flight until he went maybe up to again, the people? They were in, maybe they were in cahoots with the girlfriend. Maybe. So had he mentioned it like early on in the day, I think I'm going to go out tonight. Or was he just drunk or the girlfriend and he was like, were... or she suggested it. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Because they're just sitting there drinking together. Right. Right. And she could have been like, oh, it'd be so cool if you went out, you know, can you fly at night? That would be awesome. But you can't. And he's Which like, is, I bet I can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. She's like, I'll hold the flashlights. <laughs> it's also just a really weird choice to make to go to take off from this airstrip that is completely unlit. Right. I mean, completely unlit at night banking on the the use of these two flashlights to signal yourself for lint which it's been used in small runways for sure but like to do it it's more like an emergency situation like you arrive later than you thought you would yeah and so they have these flashlights in case something like that happens but like to plan to do it seems very sure of yourself you know what i mean yeah like so part of me wonders, like, did he ever, did he plan on coming back? Did he actually plan on trying See, to make that landing? That's the you thing. Know what I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, was was in, was his intentions to 
take the plane and just book it? Right. That's a great question. Because a lot of a lot of people don't talk about his like his role in this. Right. It's it's odd. He makes a series of odd choices. Right. Granted, he's drunk. Yeah. And he's he's a guy who isn't exactly known for rational decisions in the past. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's why I built in all the all the build up, all of his his history, because he's a pretty rash guy to begin with. He gets in fights with people in public. He, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, he's that kind of dude. So I don't know. It's it's weird. It, There's, it really is. Like it again, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now I liked what you were saying because I did kind of think about the the hotel guy, the hotel owner that also owns the plane and everything. Yeah, like I mean, what if it was him and the girlfriend? What if uh, she she knew of him, which would seem kind of weird that he just happens to land on this landing strip that had this, you know, this hotel, whatever. Yeah. Um, that everything just lines up perfectly. So I guess, I don't know. I'd probably throw that idea out the window. Um, too much would have or, to be I mean, in play there to make that actually work. But the thing is, they're in a relationship, right? And so none of us are privy to the private conversations they have. So I mean, yeah. his interest in buying property on this island could have come from her. That's fair. She could have been like, "I, you should look at properties on this island. And she knows the guy who owns the hotel, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a good call. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. There's there's also a theory that this was an insurance scam gone wrong. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So in this scenario, Gibbs and the the hotel owner are actually the ones that are in cahoots, right? So... He would not be the first person to like a lot of people have talked about how his financial situation wasn't exactly he wasn't as flush with cash as he let on. Right. Right. And he he had a few businesses that failed that year. Um, and so he wouldn't be the first person who was failing financially that decided to fake their own death. Mm-hmm. Right. So so one theory is that he would fake his own death right with this plane crash and the the owner of the plane would get insurance for the plane his you know his life insurance would come through all that and he could fake his own death but then he fucks up somehow right and ends up actually dying so that's another theory but again there's a lot there right there there's a lot that is sort of assumed and mm-hmm. that's more screenplay writing i right? mean yeah but like that makes a lot more sense too it goes yeah it supports his state of mind that he decided to take this flight at all you know Mm -hmm. yeah because i mean yeah he he was he you know probably had a bit to drink and drunk or at least at the boat you know at most or at least rather you know intoxicated to a you know to a degree yeah where he's half a bottle of wine and and a few whiskeys right ready to you know ready to go and play so like yeah yeah that it seems a lot maybe, more plausible. Maybe if this was the plan, he was that was you know liquid courage. He was drinking exactly. Try to get up Just the psyching balls himself to, up to get all up night. there and do it. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. That's it's, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it's the the owner. It's his involvement is it's very strange because I always go back to some people talked about seeing two sets of flashlights out on the end of the runway. Right. Yeah. Like, 
not just the girlfriends, but someone else was out there with her. And that's weird that she would then come back and claim it was only her out there, right? So that alludes to not only her being part of whatever occurred, but that there was something to hide at all. I mean, there were high beam flashlights. So maybe as she was mm-hmm. holding him, all she saw were just, you know, yeah, the torch end of the, end of the flashlight and nothing else because they were, you know, that. Like, if they can light up a runway, then I'd feel like or at least help, rather, then it might be harder yeah. for her to see the other set of, of flashlights. Yeah, that's fair. Or they're in cahoots. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, people <laughs> talk about, like, one one flashlight going to one side of the runway and the other flashlight, you know, like, they see watching them move apart and back together. And, like, huh. yeah, which is, it sounds like she knew there was someone else out right. there with her and then later lied about it. I mean, yeah. Why would she lie? Exactly. If not to That's save her own question. ass. Yeah. Yeah. I think we sold it. That make that makes her seem super suspect. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Agreed. In 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 all these true crime cases, you you always hear policemen say like once someone lies to me about even the smallest thing in a, in questioning, I they're instantly on the suspect list. Yeah. Like if if they feel the need to cover up anything, then I I just can't trust them from then on, right? I mean, that's fair. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not making friends, right? right? You're like, they're not out there to give you leeway. They're trying to figure out who the fuck did this. So, like, you have to make snap judgments like that. And I think in this situation, the fact that she, if there really were people who saw multiple flashlights out there, multiple people, and she lied about it, I think that says a lot. Yeah, I'd agree. For sure. Because it wouldn't be hard to go like, oh yeah, the other, you know, the, uh, I always forget his name, but the hotel owner. Right. Came out to see him off too. You know, like, yeah, we were both down there when he, when he left, but she insisted on lying about it. Hmm. But how many people actually reported seeing the other set of flashlight? I mean, this story's been retold so many times, it's hard to tell. At least a hundred. It's, it's hard to know. Oh, Usually what you see is, like, there were multiple accounts of seeing multiple sets of flashlights. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's really no count on how many people even watched him take off, like, from a distance. I mean, at this point, it could have been literally just a handful of people or people just watching from inside. Yeah, or it could have been people, like, half-interested that were still, Mm -hmm. like, having conversations with each other and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's hard telling. I mean, they could have just fucking whacked the guy at the end of the runway and took off with the plane and stashed plane, his body until a few months later. Off. That's true. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we there are no like concrete eyewitness reports. Yeah, right. It's all we know for sure is that his body ended up in a tree a mile away, and the plane was recovered twenty six miles east off the shore. That's it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's all we know for sure. Yeah. So it seems to me like someone killed him for sure. I mean, I it has to be that or aliens like I or the insurance thing. I you know, I like that yeah. angle as well. Cuz But even you know, that's a weird accident. What kind of accident ends up with him outside the plane and the plane far away? Well, see. I don't know. I I can't I can't say. Like there that yeah. it, it's hard to it's hard to say in that case because like, did he try to escape and something happened? And yeah, I don't know. See, that's I mean, that's where he, it doesn't make he, sense. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. 
none of them work perfectly. Or maybe like it's, the guy, the hotel owner is like, you know, if you try and go for this area, and I'll pick you up tomorrow, and then something happened, and then he ended up dying of exposure. I guess not in a day, yeah. but yeah, no. I mean, unless it's like that. See, that's weird. Thirty below, you know, zero. Well, however cold that would be in Celsius. It, yeah. yeah, um, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so that that would make sense. Yeah. He could be up there yeah, a couple days the before it actually that, kill him, like you know, starvation yeah, sure. or whatever else. He's only a mile away. Also, he wasn't starved, right? You know and what I, I mean? Like, I, I'm sure he was calling out. Yeah, and not to mention he was dressed for winter. It's not like he took off on the plane, you know, in his underpants. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that I mean, the vibe I get from this guy is that he went up there. With some like brown leather jacket with like wool lapels, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he was probably dressed for when I mean it was fucking Christmas Eve. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it I'm was sure cold. he was ready for it. Unless he I don't left see his him dying of exposure unless he was wet. <laughs> Could have. Like, he might have left it inside of the, the just, hotel, like the restaurant or something. You know, like just walked out without it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think this is like an Air Force trained pilot also so like those guys know that your best chance of surviving a crash is to stay in the fucking plane like jumping out of the plane is not a good idea it just isn't so like if he was gonna have an accident in this plane he would have either he would have a parachute attached to him and be mm -hmm. dead in the tree or he would be in the fucking plane that's that's what I'm that's what makes sense to me I agree it would have to be one or the other it uh, it Nothing about this makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I mean, maybe they set up the insurance scam and the, the guy gave him what he thought was a parachute, but it was actually a backpack full of silverware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, did they find, you know, randomly scattered flatware on the hillside? Hey, we don't know. I, we don't know. It could have. Or some family's <laughs> like, ooh, silver. Yeah. And they're living down there I in like a shack or jumping. something. Right. I imagine him jumping out of the plane and pulling the string and just like a pile of silverware <laughs> falls out of the and he's like, uh-oh. I mean, that could <laughs> have been right the, the hotel owner's insurance that this guy wasn't going to be able to live to tell any different. Yeah. Like he gave yeah. him a parachute that didn't work or didn't leave a parachute in the sure. plane. So like, is oh. this thing's about to go down? Like, But I think being trained, he would have went down with the plane if he, he would, realized he, he didn't think, have a parachute. Yeah. At least try you know? to like even level it out as he like hit the water, so the impact wasn't yeah, so bad. Yeah, done or... an emergency landing, right? Yep. I don't know, man. Which is it's... much safer than jumping out of the damn plane. Yeah, <laughs> much. Safer. I would like to think so. The thing is, it's just common sense, right? Because if you crash and you're in the plane, then you have all this inanimate material around you to absorb impact for you, right? But if you jump out of a fucking plane at 65 miles an hour, mm-hmm. there is nothing to break that fall. Yeah, and. Except your body. I feel like you would be destroyed. I feel like he would have his body would have been destroyed this if he fell into that out of a plane yeah. into that tree. Yes. Oh yeah. Like I he mean, would have been he would have broken meat some hanging bones, out of those tree sure. branches. And right. there was no even and he didn't no have a talk single broken, of broken bone. bones. Right. None. I don't buy it. There I think no, this is there a were fake, no broken this bones. Is fake news. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing. It's all fake news. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Oddly enough, I lean toward either he was never in the plane or aliens. Aliens. I'll stick really, with you like, on aliens. This one feels weird enough. 
it feels weird enough to be uh-huh. aliens, you know? Yeah, I other I can't explain anything else because again, you try to rationalize or just even think like maybe this could have happened. But no. It's just yeah. no. It's impossible. Yeah. It's definitely highly improbable. Like at least you yes. have to decide and you know, we're people who believe in 14 phenomena. So like it's because a, a lot of people, skeptics, would say, like, oh, it's more likely the aliens abducted him. Well, like, you bet your ass. In it my is. mind, in my mind, that's a viable option. <laughs> I think you know so what I too. mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't know, man, but it's just it's an a weird unfortunate one. drop on their one. part that he happens to get dropped into this tree. Yeah, they just fucked it up. Or that was the like bad dismount. You know, they had to drop him so high, so they said. We'll drop him in the tree, help him break his fall so he doesn't like break too much, you know, too many bones. And he just gets lodged in there and yeah, he's applesauce basically. Or maybe, or maybe he was dead on the craft before they even yeah, dropped him. There you go, that's possible too. You know, mm-hmm. because no, they really had no cause of death. They assumed, they assumed it was exposure because there were no. There was, other than a cut on his leg, there were right. no signs of... Yeah, it literally. There were no signs of damage. Yeah, all of that, like, all of that to, you know, I mean, it's just too much, too much there for this to make sense otherwise. Yeah, see, I'm that's... I'm with aliens. If, if you, if you want to lean toward the murder, how'd they fucking murder him then? Right. There yeah. was no visible cause of death, you know? Uh-huh. Did they poison him? I guess they could have poisoned him. They flew over the street and, and decided to push him out. And he just happened to fall tree, just the perfectly. Murder. Yeah. To not do anything yeah. else but get stuck. Imagine that. See, like, that'd that, be so shitty. Like, you're completely right? fine. Other than, like, maybe a pretty good cut, we'll say. We'll, we'll even say a pretty good cut. Otherwise, yeah. you're just stuck. And you're, and you're just like, stuck in the tree. <laughs> this is the way I'm going to go out. Yeah. Just hanging, just hanging there in the yeah. tree. Yeah. That would suck. Yep. That was okay. So that was something I'd never really considered, though. Was let's say they the murder plot, they poison him, right? Right? They load his his dead body into the plane. Someone flies him. They dump him out of the plane. He lands in the tree. Yeah. They fly the plane east and they bail out of the plane themselves and crash it. Yeah. Right. They jump out with a parachute. They're fine. The plane crashes. The doors slam forward and shut when the plane crashes, right? Old boy ends up in a tree. Like, it all, yeah, it all works out. Yeah. I mean, that sort of makes sense. Just as much as everything else. Yeah, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, if they dumped him out, he's poisoned. A lot of the damage you get when you are in impact is because you're bracing for it. You know, that's why, like drunk drivers tend to be the ones that survive crashes right right because they're they're so loosened up they don't tense up for the crash so they don't break bones as easily and all that right yeah yeah so i imagine the ultimate version of that would be a corpse right if you just like toss a corpse from 20 feet over a tree and it lands in the tree it might you might cut the leg on a branch or as something long as it hasn't started and to other stiffen than up. that right obviously exactly. when like rigor mortis is set in then yeah, that thing's gonna be. See, all that's contorted. a weird thing too, though. What poison would not only not show up on a toxicology report, but would also work so fast that the that people would see him getting the flashlights ready to go on a flight, just a little drunk, and then he dies before they take off. Or, as soon as he gets in, there's people that are there, 
They you know, give them a little, uh, I, well, I can't even think of the word for it, but, you know, put them to sleep. And oh, then, yeah. you know, they fly, they fly away, dump his body. He's like literally in the middle of sleeping, like not dead, you know? Yeah. And they dump his body basically thinking that he's going to just die on impact, but he ends up falling into a tree. They fly oh. east, dispose of the plane, okay. head back and nobody's anybody. Bob's your uncle. He's, okay. So he's knocked out. And that's how he dies of exposure, because he's unable to have that like cold response, right? That I keeps you if alive. It's that cold, in the cold. I didn't think it was that cold. I mean, apparently it was cold enough for people to die of exposure, because that's what they assumed happened. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, we'll stick with exposure. Sure. I mean, four I mean, four long months of exposure. I'm sure it'll probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, that's another hangup, right? Mm-hmm. Because. Again, his body would have had to have been in that tree for four months with no one noticing. I think he just he got too hungry, went too long without water. Uh, maybe he like was bruised internally or something, and so he couldn't like scream for help too well. So like you know he's kind of just stuck up there, not really too hurt. Just watching got people walk by injuries. with their sheep. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> and then they just hear, oh, <laughs> must be a storm. An interesting in. bird calls today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This this is what I said at the beginning, man. None of them make sense perfectly. Right. They, I mean, there's always going to be something yeah. about it that just doesn't work. Yeah. Besides aliens. Yeah. And see, aliens only work perfectly because we can give the situation any attributes we want. Exactly. We can make up any abilities, any capabilities, any yeah. situation. Yeah. And that's why it fits everything. Maybe he was dumped and he actually landed on the ground. And he was actually completely fine. An UFO happens to be rolling by. They're like, ooh, there's a body. Let's beam him up. They beam him up and he gets stuck in a tree. And they're like, ah, it's too much work. And they just zoom <laughs> off. And he's like, just stuck up in a tree. Right. Like, I'm not unsnagging this yeah, lore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They didn't want to have yeah. to get out. That was too much work. They just wanted to beam him up. Oh, man. And we what can start to was, get uh, even more weird if you want. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's, I mean, let's fucking get weird because I just had a thought that like, this region is known for for mysterious big cats, right? Well, that's the, what like, I'm saying. You know, Scottish cougars. Yeah, right. So maybe he encounters one after he lands. Yeah. It fucking drags him up this tree. Just right? by one little tooth and that's in his leg. Him. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's why. Grabs him by the leg, pulls him <laughs> right. up the tree. Everything else is perfectly fine. Yeah. Yep. And then it leaves it there because it's a phantom. It's not an actual cat. It right. doesn't need to eat anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, ha ha, survive this bitch. Yeah, exactly. It's a sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Plant him in the tree. It happens yeah. every 75 years. I don't know, man. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Aliens. I mean, I feel like we can just continue to make up random stories all day that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe, it is a fantastic mystery, though. Maybe he learned to fly himself, and he was, like him in the plane, were <laughs> competing. And he happens to fly into a tree, yeah. and the plane happens to fly off, you know, to the east and crashes. Yeah, yeah. well, he bumped it, and it turned. They both lo- right? they both lost their no. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Superman theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. Why not? This was cool. I like the. I miss episodes like oh, this. Oh, I, I love these types of episodes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I like just it's, coming up with I, random bullshit. 
Yeah, it's the it's the most fun part, right? Right. I I'm I wanted to start the year off like this because it reminds me of like early. It reminds me of like what we were doing, you know, a year or so ago. Okay. Year and a half ago, we were doing a lot of these, and it's been fun to get back to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this year is going to be all about getting more weird. So yes, you know. Yep. Lots, uh, more lots weird of uh, and more all that. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. More weird and more horrendous. So I mean, why not? The weird is going to get weirder, and the true crime is going to get more disgusting. So yeah. Yep. And then we'll just uh, start sharing we're our going own experiences. For broke this year true crime experiences <laughs> what no. are you trying to say aliens <laughs> ah, ah one okay. day one day hopefully not i'm praying for you ryan i don't know i don't know if i i'm, I'm starting to reconsider at this point it's are gonna you? be a good time as long as it's a good time i'm all for mm. it unfortunately i don't think you get to pick well if you're not good ones don't come for me <laughs> you heard it here aliens <laughs> <laughs> reptilians and mantids stay away yeah. they're like oh shoot they just completely the turn around they're already on their way and the yeah the uh what are the ones tall whites yeah right you know, you know some some tall whites yeah, and some our, environmentalist our grays yeah nordics i'll be all, that's I'll one. Be all about that that'd yeah. be cool yeah nordics tend to just bang all the people that they <laughs> abduct yeah right or, it seems uh, like it's just like crazy I mean, space sex hey, orgies i'm very into that so let's get her going <laughs> marty locked and loaded <laughs> i'm gonna let that just sit there for a minute <laughs> just let that marinate <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh all right so before this gets too much farther off the rails yep i think um i think i'm a, i think i landed on aliens Same. oddly enough i mean yeah aliens the most one that just sums up everything and would make it all work so i'm gonna stay there yeah i mean coincidentally aliens is also the most malleable explanation right right like we discussed you can you can kind of squish it into all the gaps yeah to make sense so yeah or we can just treat this when i say aliens let's say we can just treat this as a write your own adventure series and you pick yes (laughs) let's see what kind of weird theories people come up with Write your own P.D. Gibbs story. Yep. Yep. Old B.D. P.D. All right. I think on that note, that concludes episode 129, The Impossible Death of Peter Gibbs. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook. At campfire.totsau on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird.
and trust in the unknown.